Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Duda with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Duval Desai, Director of Hospital Medicine, and Dr. Shobna Singh, Assistant Professor at, of Medicine at Emory St. Joseph Hospital. Dr. Desai, Dr. Singh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Laura. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare, but before we dive into the broader discussion, I was hoping if you could both tell us just a little bit more about yourselves and your background. And um, Dr. Desai, we'll start with you. Great, thank you. So I am a practicing hospitalist. I'm actually trained in med-peep, internal medicine and pediatrics, but my full-time job is at Emory St. Joseph's Hospital, where I lead the hospital medicine group of approximately 30 physicians. I've been there for almost 11 years now, and we've seen the ups and downs from pandemic and other healthcare crises, and we are excited to keep moving forward, hopefully as we emerge out of the pandemic and take on new initiatives in this challenging environment. Hi, uh, I'm Shobna Singh, a hospitalist uh, for about 15 years, currently serving at Emory St. Joseph's Hospital as a full-time hospitalist. I'm also a clinical assistant professor at Emory University School of Medicine and medical director of the geriatrics unit at Emory St. Joseph's Hospital. I'm passionate about improving quality and streamlining processes, specifically in minimizing unnecessary hospital admissions and enhancing the standard of care offered to our patients. Um, in addition to my successful career, I'm also a devoted mother to three wonderful kids and a beloved Boston Terrier named Max. I must uh, say that I really enjoy listening to Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It helps me keep up to date with the latest healthcare trends, and I'm so excited to be here. Well, fantastic. And I'm so glad you've found our podcast episodes helpful in the past. I think this will be another great one. And I know there will be listeners out there that really take a lot away from what you both have to say. So with that, we'll dive right in. I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the opportunities and the headwinds that you have your eye on right now, especially given your vantage point at Emory St. Joseph? You know, what's really top of mind for you, Dr. Desai? Yeah, for me, Laura, really what comes to mind is, you know, emerging out of this pandemic that we're still sort of dealing with is focusing on what we're really here for. And that's the patient experience and the human experience in medicine. You know, through the pandemic and even before, there's been countless times where I feel like, are we treating patients as objects or human beings? Um, we've seen such a massive shift in our workforce. We've seen so many issues related to that where it's now time to rebuild what our purpose is. I think, you know, given everything Becker's talks about, our listeners here probably know of all of the competing priorities we all have in healthcare. And it's very easy to forget that there is a patient who needs us, needs us to navigate them. And if we can keep delivering that message to the, our staff, including physicians, nurses, multidisciplinary staff, I think focusing on the patient is first a big, big harboring that we can look after burnout and try to prevent burnout. It's actually motivated me to write a book in my reflection on the pandemic, which includes obviously burnout that we've all been through and really focusing back on what we're here for is taking care of the patient. Absolutely. What an important point. And what's the title of your book? Where can you find it? 
Yeah, so the book will hopefully be out later this year. Uh, the manuscripts are done. The title is Burning Out on the COVID Frontlines, a doctor's memoir of fatherhood, race, and perseverance during the pandemic. For me in 2020, it was all about basically all my, all my, my entire life kind of coming together. I had the birth of my second child two weeks before the country shut down. My wife was on maternity leave. She's also a physician and all of a sudden was caring for a four-year-old and a newborn while I was torn between the hospital and the COVID priorities. Uh, and there was a lot to that first 18 months in the pandemic that really was catalyzing in my life. And I hope my perspective will help future healthcare workers and even the current ones. So I'm excited to share that story coming up. That's awesome, Dr. Desai. So uh, Laura is a hospitalist uh, and an aspiring leader in quality and process improvement. Um, my focus is on identifying ways to improve patient care with particular emphasis on reducing um, length of stay and optimizing lab utilization. And to achieve this, our team is currently working on a value stream analysis to identify areas uh, in a patient's hospitalization journey where we can streamline processes and reduce waste. Uh, this ultimately leads to better patient outcomes and decreased healthcare costs. Uh, we have already seen some early success through our efforts to optimize our multidisciplinary rounds, uh, bringing together our physicians, nurses, case managers, and other staff to improve communication and coordination of care for patients. Um, another area that I'm particularly interested and passionate about is improving patient experience with lab draws. Uh, repeated lab draws can cause discomfort and anxiety for patients, which can have an impact on their overall well-being. And by focusing on reducing these unnecessary tests, we can improve their physical health, emotional well-being, and enable them to rest and recover more quickly. And this approach can also help mitigate the risk of complications like infections, anemia, delirium, and altogether this can further help in reducing healthcare costs and financial burden to patients. So overall, I'm optimistic about the potential impact of our patient-centered efforts, and I'm excited to be part of these efforts. That's fantastic. And, you know, really, it seems like there is a lot of potential there. Um, I, I love the focus on patient experience and something that so much needs to um, be uplifted within the healthcare space today. Now, I'm wondering, you know, too, there is a lot of growth that's happening in, in a lot of organizations are trying to figure out how to add value. So how are you both thinking about growth and development from your positions and vantage points in the future? What are ways that you can add value to the health system as a whole? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think first and foremost, our hospitalists who are our frontline physicians, sort of the face and ambassadors of the hospital, they have to be in the spokes and the wheels of the hospital to really, you know, be on the forefront, adding value, partnering with the multidisciplinary team and helping the hospital, helping the C-suite really invest in team members. To Dr. Singh's point with this value stream analysis, it's only one example that helps build the partnership, not only with nurses, but dietitians, case managers. You know, instead of working with silos, bringing everybody back together, we're no longer at a point where we have to be isolated constantly from each other at the hospital. We are getting ourselves back together. And, you know, instead of being a job, it's focusing on, you know, coming, being excellent every day and coming together as a team. Uh, and I think that's what's going to differentiate institutions and competing hospitals from each other is that who is really investing more in their people that makes them have value day to day at their hospital. And, uh, you know, uh, Laura, as, as a frontline hospitalist, in my opinion, the, um, the key to achieving growth and adding value to uh, an organization lies in a comprehensive approach that prioritizes 
enhancing our patient outcomes and also increasing our efficiency as an organization. So to achieve these goals, um, as I mentioned, we are currently exploring different strategies, one of which is to optimize length of stay by adopting evidence-based practices that can improve our patient outcomes, patient satisfaction, as well as reduce hospital stays and lower costs for our hospital. Um, it's worth noting that you know, several studies have been done that uh, show that there is no single intervention that consistently reduces length of stay across all high-risk populations. We're all aware of these uh, social determinants of health that can be a significant barrier to safe discharge planning. Um, that said, we have developed an enhanced visual management system through our value stream work uh, on reducing length of stay. And this system has helped us identify discharge barriers early in the patient's hospitalization journey so we can take mitigating steps. And lastly, I believe that team accountability plays a vital role, just as Dr. Desai was saying, that you know, it helps achieving growth and adding value. Uh, to be able to foster a culture of continuous improvement, um, I uh, try to empower our team members and hold them accountable for their performance, ultimately driving uh, success for us as an organization. That's really fantastic to hear. And I know, you know, as you mentioned, it's just so important that um, everyone feels accountable and understands what their role is in um, providing that great patient care and, and uh, how they are impacting the communities that you're serving. So um, that, that's fantastic. And thank you for sharing those examples. Now, I know, as we've talked a little bit about and touched on, it's a challenging time coming out from the pandemic. Um, you know, there's a lot of stress and burnout. And then two, you know, resources are more scarce than ever um, with whether it's financial or, or personnel. And so, you know, definitely all healthcare resources are precious. And so with that in mind, what are, um, you know, what are your thoughts on one either risk or investment that's still worth making given the current uh, current situation? Yeah, I think, you know, we're all in that position where the where do we really invest what resources we have. And for me, it's digital health. I think healthcare in general, we are very behind when we compare ourselves to other industries, whether it's the latest app, smart device, how do our patients get navigated in our complex system? Yes, we have these portals, but those are quite complex. Are the way we're doing it burning out the practitioner instead of helping everybody? There's a lot to that. So I think first and foremost is expansion of digital health for that's going to maximize the patient consumer, the patients are a consumer, their experience, and also our provider's experience. We are burnt out documenting. We are burnt out with the multiple clicks in the EMR. We are in an era where if we want our physicians to be more productive and maximally productive and work at the top of their license, and I think digital health is what we really need to focus on. I think there's a fear sometimes that how do we adapt these into our systems, which already have such an existing complex workforce. And I would also argue on that is that the workforce that's coming in, the more junior that workforce that's coming in from nurses, physicians, the, um, all the disciplines, they have grown up with digital, you know, the digital industry, the electronic industry. So they would be the right teams to help catalyze this culture and lead us through, through this. So that would be one investment. I would say it's a worthwhile risk to make with a good return on investment. Yeah, I totally agree with Dr. Desai. Um, I agree that in you know, the expansion of uh, digital health and telehealth services to support hospital health, uh, hospital at home programs is pivotal at this point in time. Um, hospital capacity is a major, major concern for many healthcare systems throughout the U.S. And I feel like by investing in uh, these uh, telehealth technologies, 
households can provide quality care to patients in their own homes, um, reducing the burden on hospital resources and optimizing our length of stay. Uh, there have been multiple conditions, both acute as well as chronic conditions, in which hospital-at-home programs have shown success. And you know, providers can um, easily monitor patients remotely, provide virtual consultations, do check-ins, and provide all this care in the comfort of their own in patients' own homes. This also reduces risk of hospital-acquired infections, which is pertinent to me as a frontline hospitalist. And this also enables patients to recover in a more familiar and comfortable environment, leading to better patient outcomes. So certainly digital health is something that we all uh, need to look at as an investment. I love that. I think that makes a lot of sense and, and just really hits on so many points, whether it's um, you know how you can be more efficient with care and deliver a better patient experience. And so um, it certainly seems like those are, are definitely still areas where you want to double down on and not contract from. Um, so before we wrap up our conversation, I wanted to look into the future just a little bit. Where do you both see some of the best opportunities for your personal growth as well as team growth in the future that are going to be really impactful um, for the organization overall? Yeah, I have to keep piggybacking on digital health. You know, my mind is swimming with all of this AI talk these days from chat GPT to all these other AI modalities. Um, if we really, my stance on, you know, I'm always pro-physician, pro-provider, pro-healthcare worker in terms of the clerical tasks that we have to do that are not direct patient care. And if we want to sustain this workforce and mitigate the burnout, we have to figure out ways that we can make our physicians and our healthcare workforce continue to work at the top of their license. And one of the things that, you know, brings us down and takes so much time, hours upon hours, is our documentation. And I'm convinced there's AI opportunities, and I'm sure of it. In fact, no, there's institutions in our country that have piloted and worked with this where they're using some type of AI technology to help document and help optimize that documentation flow so the clinician is spending less time typing and dragging at their um, at their desk after seeing patients. You know, it's more than just using a Siri or Dragon type device to document, but it's actually using the AI technology to help us get to the next level. And I hypothesize that we would be a lot more productive, not only from an RVU seeing patient standpoint, but a lot more productive in terms of our joy of satis and satisfaction and working if we have this type of help and support digitally through AI. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. Um, and certainly there's that, that work is already, I'm sure being done and hopefully we can catch on to that soon. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback again uh, uh, to what Dr. Desai mentioned. So I also believe that um, you know AI, specifically predictive analytics, it has immense potential to transform the future of our healthcare. Um, you know, it can this uh, predictive analytics can leverage vast amounts of data, and um, it can put it together to identify patients at risk for developing specific conditions. For example, as a hospitalist, things like sepsis during hospitalization so we can do early intervention and treatment, potentially improving our patient outcomes, reducing length of stay and overall healthcare costs. Um, another area of growth uh, that I see is uh, the use of AI in preventative care. By prioritizing prevention and early intervention, uh, we can reduce the need for more costly treatments down the line and improve the overall population health. Uh, this certainly will require a shift in mindset towards a more proactive approach to healthcare, but I feel it has the potential to make a significant impact on the health of our communities as a whole. 
Um, another exciting development is uh, the shift towards the value-based care models, which prioritize quality over quantity. And these models can promote greater collaboration between different healthcare providers and stakeholders, leading to a more efficient and effective um, care delivery. So I, overall, I feel that AI predictive analytics it holds a tremendous potential for all of us uh, as healthcare providers, and I'm so excited to see how it will continue to transform our industry. Absolutely. I, I love that. Dr. Desai, Dr. Singh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And what a great um, interview talking through so many different aspects of care and then digital health too, and what the future might bring. And I'm looking forward to having you both as well at our health IT, digital health and revenue cycle event in October um, to talk through many of these trends and really to dive deeper into what that clinical um, analytics and, and where data can be used most effectively for for patients and patient care going forward. So I look forward to that and thank you both for being here today. We look forward to it too and look forward to learning from others. Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you so much, Laura, for this wonderful opportunity.